0: amen amen you may be seated kiddos head on over to the door where you'll meet miss Amy and you'll head back to dance and sing and learn about God and others all right well good evening again everyone today we recognize the day of Pentecost and we will do so by looking at the story that became the birthday of the church on a day known as Pentecost. And we'll be in Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts, toward the end of your Bible. We're going to be looking at a lengthy and powerful and wild and interesting story. But understand that the word Pentecost was not originally a Christian word or holiday. Pentecost... Which really means 50, marks 50 days after Passover. Pentecost and Passover were Jewish holidays. If you went back to the front of your Bible in Leviticus, you could look in chapter 23 and find it described as the festival of weeks. The day after Sabbath, which is a Sunday, becomes the starting point to count seven weeks. And then after 50 days, after seven weeks, they had a festival where Jewish pilgrims would come from all corners of the known world to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate an agricultural festival. And they offer grain, they offer offerings, and they offer them as a sign of more harvest to come. So at the earliest days, in fact, mere days, after Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, the church is meeting in a house, and they're a little nervous. Now that Jesus is really gone, now that the Jewish authorities are still out to get them. They're fearing that they're going to do to them what they did to Jesus, so they're holed up in a room. And they're praying to God. And presumably, they're praying that Jesus would send what He said He would send, and that is the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure they sang songs like we just sang that the Holy Spirit would flood us, fill us, rest on us. But I got a pretty strong hunch that they had no idea that this would happen next. So while the church was gathered in a room, out on the street it was busy and filled with thousands of other fellow Jews Who had made their way to Jerusalem, the holy city, to offer their grain, to offer their lambs, just like they had done every year. It was a party. And it was a time that they remembered when God gave their ancestors the Ten Commandments, a way to live. Well, something happens in that room, and it spills out onto the streets, and it gets the whole place's attention. So let's look at this story that may be familiar to some of you, beginning in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. What happens when God gives you what you sing about. (laughs) Well, verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Pause and quickly imagine not what we see in a lot of churches today, like a heavenly language, but literal, actual languages. It's like people that wake up from a coma and all of a sudden know how to speak perfect Italian. Something miraculous and strange and bewildering is happening. All of these people speaking different languages. Verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, "Uh, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, pause there. If you've got your Bible open or you're looking on the screen or looking on your phone, just go back and scan how many crazy words Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, gives us. Perplexed, bewildered, amazed, suddenly, violent, blowing, sound. This is a wild scene. It's enough to get a crowd of people's attention. And they begin to ask, what does this mean? Anytime you have something powerful and Wonderful. You're also going to have some others that as we see in verse 13, didn't buy it. Some, however, made fun of them and said, "Uh, they have had too much wine. Now, listen to the greatest sermon intro in the book of Acts. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Ready? These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then he quotes Joel chapter 2 in their Old Testament tradition. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a wild, bewildering, miraculous, strange story. All centered around the question, what does this mean? I've preached this passage before three years ago in June 2020. Anybody remember anything about 2020? Kind of a nondescript year. June, to add fuel to an already difficult and destabilizing year, became the summer, the month of our nation's racial reckoning. June 2020 the nation saw video and heard outcry over the murder of George Floyd, and it got the nation's attention in a way that not many other current events did. And I think swirling around all of that as we were beginning our series in the book of Acts was this question the crowd posed in verse 12. What does this mean? It's bewildering, shocking, It's violent. Amazing. What does this mean? And if the nation was like this crowd we saw in Acts 2, they gathered around and they were looking in and some of them were interrogating, investigating, inwardly and outwardly. They were listening closely. And then there were just as many over here saying the version of the rest of the crowd, ah, ah. We don't need to listen to all that. But at least everyone was looking and leaning in. The question, what does this mean, loomed large over the summer of 2020. And I think it's still looming large over us today. Yes, we should still be interrogating and investigating our place and our space inwardly and outwardly when it relates to other people from all different races and places and nations. Yes and amen, we still should be asking this question, what does this mean? But I think the question also lands for us on this Pentecost because God might be doing something in you and around you, but the question is, will we discern and how will we respond I want you to think about something in your life something perhaps buried deep something that's more than a hunch something that's more like a rumbling it's something you've been thinking it's something you've been feeling it's been something you've avoided It may be a place of tension. And I just wonder if the Holy Spirit is inviting you to ask, what does this mean? Miguel loves a story that I've told in the past that was a story from rabbinic tradition. You see, rabbis are wonderful storytellers, and I fancy myself a bit of a storyteller. Just ask my wife. She's heard them all. But there is a story that goes something like this. In Exodus 3, we're familiar with the passage of the burning bush. The burning bush holds in some mysterious way the presence of God, but yet the bush was not consumed. And Moses walks over and takes off his shoes because he realizes then that he's standing on holy ground. But the rabbinic story takes that And puts a spin on it. And the rabbis tell it like this. The bush had always been burning. Only then did Moses recognize it. I wonder if there are things that are burning in our life, in our neighborhood, in our church. And some people are dismissing it. You're dismissing what's deep within you. And I just wonder if it's burning and God is inviting you to take off your shoes and actually pay attention. Whatever happens in the next few moments as we unpack this story, I hope that you might, even for a moment, consider what does this mean? For the Jews that gathered for that festival, they thought it was going to be like every other holiday. They're going to offer their things. They're going to pray for a better harvest as they go back home. And suddenly something happens. They heard the sound, the crowd gathered, and the Holy Spirit manifested himself within and amongst the people who were afraid The people in that upper room were fearing the Jewish authorities, and I promise you they were waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus said it at the Last Supper. Jesus said it when he was with them after the resurrection. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to bring you power from on high, from heaven. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then in the region of Judea, and then in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just wait. Let me guess, they were praying songs like we were singing, Give us power, Lord. And I wondered if some of them in that room were thinking about doing miracles like Jesus and healing others. I wonder if some of the apostles who had taken it for a test drive when they were sent out in pairs and as the 70 said, I wonder if we can kick out some demons like we did a few months ago. I wonder if all of their prayers and expectations for power had everything to do with making themselves look holy, making themselves look like something, and making a name for themselves in their town, especially when it's bustling. And the miracle that happens and the power that happens, listen, is not power to be put over their enemies. It's not a power to elevate themselves over the masses. The miracle was the power of connection. This is remarkable. The other miracle is the Holy Spirit that was promised from Joel 2 to the Last Supper came not on the Jewish leaders and priests and professional religious folk, It came on people that rejected Jesus, didn't know what was coming, that were afraid and hiding out. The Holy Spirit comes to everyday, ordinary people. The Holy Spirit didn't come to the leaders, it came to the abandoners and the fearful ones. The Holy Spirit wasn't given as a power to lord over all others the Holy Spirit was giving to come alongside and make connection with all others because here's at least a few things the Holy Spirit is and was if you hold your Bible and I asked you was the Holy Spirit always around Genesis to Revelation or moment one to present day shake your heads yes yes But I love to think of it like this. The Holy Spirit was always present. Let me read it for you because I wish I didn't pick this orange on the screen. That's why the lights are off. But you can look at that TV and maybe you can see it a little bit better. The Holy Spirit was always present. Genesis to Revelation, moment one to present day. But now is what? Can you read it? Resident. Y'all know I love to rhyme and alliterate stuff. The Holy Spirit was always present, but now is resident. This is why Pentecost becomes something more than a Jewish holiday. Something more than the festival of weeks. It becomes the birthday for the church. The promise for the Israelite people. The promise made by Jesus. The Holy Spirit that used to be the empowerment for people like Isaiah and Jeremiah. Or David and Saul. Or Samson. That the Spirit would come and empower and then move away. That's why we read in Psalms, take not your Spirit from me. You may really turn your brain inside out. Is that something that a Christian can pray and say yes and amen to now? You might feel it, but do you think the Holy Spirit is operating differently now than it was when David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me? Huh. The Spirit that was present to empower and anoint kings and prophets now has become resident within the people of God. Something changed at Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And sometimes the Spirit's activity is dramatic and public. But most of the time, the Spirit's activity is deep and internal, guiding, directing, assuring, and helping. I don't think that we need to worry about God taking the Holy Spirit from us like David, because now, if we've said yes to Jesus, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the deposit buried deep within our hearts, transforming us into the image of Jesus And it's a sign that we would keep being formed until we see Jesus face to face. That's the deposit when we say yes to Jesus. We're filled, forgiven, and formed. And then one day we're going to cash in, and the life of heaven will be here in full. So the Holy Spirit was always present, now resident, big in this way to get people's attention, mostly quiet. It was big and dramatic. I hope I made that clear when we were reading the story. And understand that every Jew that came had a second language. Do you want to guess what that language was? Greek. So when they came to Jerusalem, even though that's Hebrew town, you had Jews that came from all over the greek conquered Roman-controlled world. So it's like when we watch the Formula One documentary on Netflix, Jeremiah. And we see Charles Leclerc from Monaco speaking English. We see uh, Carlos Sainz from Spain speaking English. We see people from hither and yon speaking English. China, Japan, finally we got an American in there. And then we sit here in Garland, Texas and go, I wish I could speak another language. They're from all over. And just like in Formula One, everyone had a second language. So too was this the case there. So in big dramatic fashion, all of a sudden these second language Greek speaking religious pilgrims start listening and looking in and they say, what does this mean? Because I think I hear Spanish. I think I hear French. I think I hear Russian. I think I hear Arabic. And what they're hearing is something signifying that God is trying to get your attention. And they're hearing in their heart language. And even though they all subscribe to the Jewish religion, they don't live in Jewish places. And so in Genesis 12, way before the Ten Commandments, way before the Festival of Weeks and Pentecost was a thing, God found a guy named Abraham and said, hey, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And from this great nation, how many nations are going to be blessed? All. And then in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, hey, wait here, you're going to be my witnesses here and there and there and then There, when this Holy Spirit becomes resident, thousands of Jews hear in their heart language, their cultural language, the language they learned and went to school in, they heard the language telling them that God is here getting your attention. And do you think they walked back to their homes the same? Or do you think they moved from Jerusalem through Judea, then to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth? From one nation gathered for a Pentecost festival becomes the beginning of a movement that begins to spread, sharing good news in languages that connects with people's hearts. Because if the Holy Spirit does anything, what the Holy Spirit does is moves us deeper into the heart of God and further out to our neighborhood. They probably had all kinds of designs just like we do when we pray. God, do this. Give me that. And then God says, okay. Can we go back that one? The Holy Spirit is bringing us deeper into the heart of God so that we might understand His way and His will. And I believe that it is always going to lead us To a step toward another. So, the deeper in you get to the heart of God, like we read in Ephesians 3, you're going to look up and realize you're further out into the world that is desperate for the same kind of love. The direction of God's people is from that room where they were afraid to the street where they needed to hear God's work. It's why we say what J.R. Briggs and Bob Hyatt say it's formation for mission. I love to say that. Say it. Formation for mission. Isn't that fun? But that's why I like to say, a step toward God always leads to a step toward neighbor. Do you agree or disagree? If you disagree, let's talk about it and show me when it doesn't point to a one another. When we pay attention and investigate. I just got to believe that something is deep within the heart of God to bring connection about his people and his creation. We've shared the story before of another Acts-like story. Someone that our church sent and sponsored was in a closed country, and he wound up in jail for his faith. And it was a scary, gnarly time. Matter of fact, it was during one of our men's retreats. I got a phone call from a sending agent when we were driving down to uh, Mount Lebanon as we were supposed to go and have fun and zip line and do all this. And now we found out that one of our brothers is in jail half the world away. And later, he tells us the story of that weekend. When he was in the jail cell, and his family was trying to make arrangements to leave the country safely and without landing themselves in prison. And so he tells the story of how after a few tense days, and after singing hymns and songs, he hears someone join him in English, and it's his other partner in ministry separated by a wall. They couldn't see each other, but they could hear each other in their native language singing. And then when they moved that other partner away, he was there praying, seeking the Lord. And then after another tense day, he gets invited to the head guard's office and he's going, "Uh uh-oh. And he sits down into that office and the lead guard looks at him and in broken English says, I love you. To which our friend shakes his head and said, I would have thought he was going to say a hundred things, but not I love you in English. And then what the guard does is point to his screen that has a closed circuit feed from his prison cell. And he says, I mean, I respect you. Because I see you praying to your God, and I see you reading your book, and I see how your God is helping you. He lets him have a phone call to his wife to talk to her for the first time in days because this man saw something in him that connected him because the heart of God is moving us toward a holistic reconciliation. Moving His people at Pentecost, moving you tonight, moving my friend who by God's grace was released and moved on and working safely and well even to this day. Because the Holy Spirit is on the move and sometimes it's dramatic and wild. And other times it's in the deepest places saying, are you going to go? Are you going to listen? But the Holy Spirit is always asking for a holistic reconciliation between us and God, us and neighbor. Us and our own self. You could say a spiritual reconciliation with God. You could say a relational reconciliation with our enemy and other. You could say an emotional, internal reconciliation to find that there's no shame and condemnation now that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that will move you out to a social reconciliation, whether it's June 2020 or May 2023 to go and see more and more of the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Sit tight because the deeper in you get to the heart of God, the further out He's going to send you. A step toward God always leads toward a step toward neighbor. I don't think they would make it on the street if they weren't there in the room. You hear me? I realized that a couple times this week, I was wearing on my face frustration, anger, passion, And the thing I say a lot in my family and with others in relational conflict is how you say what you say matters. And I realized that how I was saying things didn't match the words I was saying. And I just thought as I went to bed last night, I wonder how that would have gone differently if I had spent some time in the room, quote unquote, first. I wonder how I would have engaged in that conversation and would have had a little less heat if I had sat in quiet and paid attention to the Spirit of God first. I don't think I would have changed the content, but I think I would have been able to move more uh, lovingly and actively in the street had I spent a little more time in the room. I wonder how that would look in your places of work, your places of conflict, your places of relationship. Before you go out into the quote unquote street and public space, are we spending time in the room? Come Holy Spirit, help me, I'm listening. Two big ideas as we wind down. What the Holy Spirit does in that room to go move us to the street is this. The first is the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what we could not do on our own. Aren't those Galileans? Aren't they drunk? Man, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I ain't started day drinking yet. That's for Memorial Day. Go in peace and be careful. The Holy Spirit empowers them to speak what they could not have spoken before. The last time Peter was called out for being a Galilean, it's when he rejected Jesus at his trial. Now all of a sudden, Peter speaks and stands up like the rock he was meant to. And after he quotes Joel 2, he says, By the way, Jesus is Lord. He's where the story was always heading. And you can respond to Him. Find life in Him. And they say, what do we do? He says, turn around to Jesus and be baptized in His name. The Holy Spirit empowered Peter to do what he couldn't do a few weeks before. Where in your life do you need the Holy Spirit's strength to move forward? I feel stuck. I feel shame. I feel weak. Oh, would you sit with the Holy Spirit and be prepared for the wind. Sometimes it's big. Most times it's quiet. But just like the Holy Spirit moves you deeper in, the second big idea here, the Holy Spirit is going to send us to connect with who we would not connect with on our own. Last night at the neighborhood table, the reason we do the neighborhood table is because we realize so many spaces serve and do things for others we want to do it with the thing is is that we had a lot of chicken and we set the table and we have no idea who's going to come some were familiar faces from other dinners and from our clothes closet from and summers that we've seen grow up in after school programs and then some are homeless folks some we knew some we didn't but i'll tell you One story that emerged I thought was fascinating. Because there was a homeless person making his way through the field behind the rock. And Amy was at the back doors. She saw this person, opened up the back door, and said, hey, you want some dinner? And he goes, y'all are doing dinner? Yeah. And he walks in, and as he's walking in, Amy notices he's holding a gallon of milk. And he told Amy, I only had enough money to buy a gallon of milk. And I got a gallon of milk because I was thirsty, but I was also hungry. So I figured milk would do the trick. And Amy effectively says, why don't you go put that in the fridge around the corner and get you a plate? I was thinking before how we used to average 80 before covid And to be honest, we set up the tables and we had a bunch of chicken and I'm running around like a chicken with its head cut off, missing the moment where we're connecting with people. And the invitation of the Holy Spirit is to set the table, show up, and let Him surprise you. The Holy Spirit will send us to people we wouldn't ordinarily connect with. They would never have thought they would meet somebody from Pontus, Phrygia, Cappadocia. And here they are, hearing good news. And spoiler alert, after the rest of Peter's powerful sermon, they're left with another question. What do we do? And he says, turn to Jesus, bear the family name in baptism, And 3,000 people were added to the fearful group in the room. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what we could not do on our own. So ask for help. And the Holy Spirit sends us to connect with who we would not ordinarily connect with on our own. To whom is the Holy Spirit sending you to bless and encourage? At some point, like Peter, they're going to need to hear and see good news. The word for good news is the gospel. And this summer, we have opportunities with Rockin' Summer with a load of kids. We used to have 100. Sometimes we'd have 20, but we're going to have some that need to hear good news. We're going to have students that come for overflow that are going to need to hear good news. We're going to do our neighborhood Bible blasts again this summer where we're inviting neighbors where we actually live to come and have a party and hear good news. We have young life folk that are gone almost all summer because God has a special calling on their life and somehow they still love youth camps and middle schoolers and high schoolers. And they're going to need to share good news. So just so we're all on the same page, the good news in one word is what? Jesus. The good news in three words is what? Jesus is Lord. But the good news in uh, 38 is this. The good news that Jesus, through His life, death, and resurrection, is the reigning Lord of heaven and earth. And all people are invited to live in God's kingdom, filled with God's Spirit, free from sin and death. You see, because at the end of Peter's sermon, with his awesome introduction, we ain't drunk, it's 9 a.m., Here's his conclusion. They said, what must we do? And in verse 38, Peter says, repent, and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. Hear this. That day, not the priests, not the Roman governor, not the temple leaders, but on the street for women, children, old and young, all who would hear good news, turn and find they're forgiven and plunged within the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. So what must you do? Earlier we asked, what does this mean? Well, if God's got your attention, listen, discern. But ultimately, how are you going to respond? More than a hunch, deeper, what is the Spirit moving, reminding, calling? Maybe some of you keep hearing the wrong voice in here, and the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 you're a beloved daughter. No, 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 you're a beloved son. There's no more shame, no more condemnation. Maybe there's some place that you're resistant to go Maybe there's someone you're resistant to connect with. May we pay attention to God and respond appropriately that he might move us deeper in and further out, not just on this Pentecost weekend, but each day this week. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen and amen.